anyway, that was just thrown out there. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> out there. Who knows you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've been thinking a little bit about um, just kind of relationships and friendships, um, relationships more broadly speaking, just like relationships with your spouse, with your family, friends, um, and then how how one goes about that without uh, letting your observations of their flaws kind of get in the way, um, and how that relates to a disposition of joy. Um, and then also like what Christ means by do not judge, even though if we have leadership roles that we have to fill, you know, like as a parent, I should judge my children's actions or my spouse's actions and correct them or suggest things to them. Um, so I just kind of wanted to pick your brains a little bit about that because I've just been trying to understand that as a, and how it relates to different people and, you know. Just getting your thoughts on it. So thoughts help me help me not judge people. Why? <laughs> why or why not? <laughs> the pros yeah. and cons of yeah. judging. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um, on one level, you do need to be critical uh, of someone that you're in a relationship with, whether it's a friend, family member. Um, but critical in a sense of um, constructive criticism, right? Yeah. The only reason why you should point something out and um, dwell on it is mm-hmm. in order to help the other person. I think judgmental, being judgmental, could be a um, could be understood. I'm just this is coming off the top of my head. This is not a official <laughs> church teaching or anything. <laughs> but um, being judgmental, I think, could just be. Uh, a focus on someone's negative flaws, and it it might there might be two aspects to it. One aspect is that you're not really necess- you're not necessarily wanting to help the person get out of that, and the second thing is that that judgment of their flaw becomes their entire identity, mm. and like that's how you see the person. Um, the truth of the matter is that no one no one's perfect, and and we all have our flaws, but uh, you know. Are your flaws going to? Uh, are your flaws going to uh, essentially define who you are for me, or is it just something that I recognize as like that's your flaw? I have my flaws. You know, we can right. we can bring them up. We're not going to sweep them under the rug, but you know, we can work to be them. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, in short, I think mm-hmm. being judgmental, it, you identify the person with that flaw. Like that becomes. The person, and so, like you know, in in the scripture, when when Christ says, "Do not do not judge," um, and he's often, uh, oftentimes when he's talking, um, he you know the Pharisees are kind of a foil to his um, teaching, mm-hmm. and what do we see the Pharisees do? But identify people with their sin to the extent that they have to like stone the person, right? Like you know, I'm thinking of like the adulterous woman who's brought outside the wall and. And they want to stone her because, again, going back to what I said, they're not trying to help her get out of her sin. Mm. And that's who she is. She's an adulterous woman. Like, that that defines who she is. Um, where Christ sees past that, right? Sees the human person under the sin. <laughs> um, and then also says, go and sin no more. 
mm-hmm. right? Like trying to get her out of that sin. So that there's that constructive criticism and also, again, recognizing the dignity of the person and your love of the person um, despite their flaws. Yeah. Right. So those are just some yeah, no, that's thoughts. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've just been... I'm not, like... I've been wrestling with this idea because uh, the the common trope is like, you know, you, you'd say, people are like, well, you don't know what's going on or you don't know what such and such is like really thinking, but... In response to being judgmental. Yeah, if I, yeah. If I make a critique of something or if I make an observation, um, some, like a lot of times my go-to is to just kind of ignore it and just say like, well, you, you know, you don't really know. Yeah. But... As I get older and I have leadership roles that I take on, like in raising kids and uh, being a spouse, I'm like forced to look into the abyss of human nature and and start to like identify patterns in, in people's lives. And then I can see that show up in other people's lives. So I want to know how to look into the abyss and still come out being like, but I'm not judging you. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to be able to see those flaws and not ignore them being like, well... It's more complicated than that, mm-hmm. but maybe to your point, is like the the complicated, the more complicated than that is actually that this person is not the sum of their flaws. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to making the the call that, you know, this what I see as a I what I identify in them is actually their whole person, and then mm-hmm. making the final say as their character. Yeah, no, that's good. I think that's yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's, I think it's uh, that was a good point that you made father about um not reducing a person to your to the summation <laughs> of their flaws or identifying them with their primary flaw mm-hmm. is that is all reducing a person to that that's all mm-hmm. that you are um because i think that's when you judge them right is when you say this is this is all you can be um but it's also hard to get away from judging because you no matter what life involves judging mm-hmm and it involves uh, sort of it making distinctions, yep. uh, discernment. I mean, judging is is part of value, making different right, value, right. you know, value right. judgments, mm-hmm. uh, discerning what to do, what not to do. Um, so I, I think it's hard to get away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not just the, this negative sense of reducing people, but it's also uh, judging the good to be done. Right. So, right. you know, it, you know, as you were saying, Matt, like, at what point is it, am I uh, trying to find, am I trying to make excuses, or at what point am I actually trying to find the good mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in them? I don't know. Right, because as, like, as a father, um, I do have to make a value judgment on my child's actions, or as a spouse, or even as a friend in fraternal correction. So it's like, like, maybe we, all right, so we've established, like, do not judge and maybe there's more to the picture, but at what point would the tables flip and that, like, what scenario would there have to be for you to actually say something to a friend? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you are going to bring something up, what conditions would that be in? And I feel like it's something like just right discernment of your position in their life. So it's like, yeah, I should, we should, me and my spouse should talk about our flaws all the time and try to rectify that. I should correct my children because I have that role. But friendship, maybe not so much. Depends, you know, like maybe reaching out for fraternal correction, it does depend. Someone you don't know, maybe not entirely. You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't mean that you don't have a value judgment, like you were saying, Lee, about their character, but it 
doesn't mean that you go out to them and tell them that they're, they need to change their ways. It just depends. You know, like, I feel like the gradient, it, the gradient starts to reveal itself when you start to take in leadership roles. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is your role as a politician? What is your role as a teacher, as a priest, as a father? Like, now you actually have positions at the top of some sort of hierarchy where you have to look down and make value judgments. And so, so saying, like, well, you really just don't know. Like, at some yeah. point, you do have to kind of draw the sword and make a value judgment. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think... It's very, it's very dangerous when we think of. I don't want to say dangerous. What's the word I'm looking for? It's you have to be careful when you, you know, when you recognize that you're in a leadership role, and um, you've been given power in a sense, um, because those words I think are naturally attached to um, control, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe more um, like I'm better than you. Like you know, you can slip towards that way of thinking, whereas. You know, it's a kind of a cliche, but I think it, there's truth in it. Um, you know, to be servants. You know, like servant leadership is is the cliche. Um, but I, I do think that that is uh, uh, there's some value in that. If you want to step away from judging, you have to recognize that you are a servant, and any any power that you have, any authority that you have, is to be used to help people, right? Not to control them. And so, you know, in my position as a priest, uh, you know, I, I constantly try to um, keep in mind that we're all stumbling along the way, right? And that's one of my favorite phrases I think that Peterson used. Um, he said we're all stumbling along the way to transcendence. And when you recognize that, then, you know, when you are correcting somebody, it's not going to come off as you trying to control somebody. But it's mm. like, listen, like you fell off the path here. Let me help you get back up, and then I, I expect you to help me when I fall off the path as well, right? Um, that, that's the idea. Um, you know, when, when I give people advice, um, you know, if, if someone's struggling with being judgmental, I typically rely on the image of the cross, um, showing how Christ was almost at his least judgmental, Um when people were nailing him to the cross, right? It was always, Father, forgive them, infinite patience. Um, it was like the model of patience and non, not being non-judgmental, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Um, and and to, to recognize your position as uh, really a, a creature, even if you are a person in power, to be like, well, like I've been shown all this mercy, all this goodness in my life from a God who has been infinitely patient with me. <laughs> Like how right. how then do I act with others, yep. right? And I think it's that that wider perspective that we all have to have mm-hmm. in order to deal with people properly. Um, as soon as we fall into a wrong sense of judgmental, we don't see the world properly. We begin to see ourselves as a kind of God figure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's going back to that that servant role that right. you know that that yeah, where you're helping people again, learning that like you're stumbling along the way to salvation too. Um, one last point I'll make too is that the saints, um, the holiest people to walk this earth, um, a lot of the journals, you read them and you would think that you're reading, uh, like journals from a serial killer with how bad that they paint themselves, you know, uh, they, they consider themselves the worst of sinners, even though, you know, objectively speaking, they were the holiest among us. So it's like, what's going on there? I think that's, um, pointing to this sense again of, Seeing yourself as you really are, the the the, the holier you you, the more the 
the more you grow in holiness, the more you're able to see who God is in relationship to you. And that's all that matters. Like that's all that matters in the end. Right. And so when you start to see the little fissures of your character, uh, as you're growing in holiness, those fissures become great chasms. And you're like, I can't even believe I'm doing this, even mm-hmm. though if I'm so close to God. Mm-hmm. And then that, like, you can imagine if you have that perspective, how are you treating other people that, you know, that have flaws? Like, hey, you shouldn't, like, right. like you're automatically, like, def- like uh, forgetting that perspective that you have um, with your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think, yeah, stepping back and seeing your life in that, in that broader context is really helpful for right ju- being non-judgmental so yeah I, for sure it's definitely that that disposition of your relationship with god and then what flows from that is going to be your relationship with other people and like what is that like really discerning what is that relationship with other people and whether or not you actually have a role to correct or not and then even if you do have a role to correct to your point it has to be at the service of their conversion and your suggestion that you walk along with them towards holiness and not some sort of higher than thou thing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, it's also important. You know, I don't want to, um, it's important to recognize that um, I think we brought this up many episodes ago, but one of the, like the, the most true things that you can ever say is that people suck. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you start to understand that you you start to like unlocking you start to unlock the secrets of the universe, <laughs> uh-huh. but um, I, I think it's important to remember that, remember that that people suck and even your best friends, your spouse, your children, the people that you love and love you, um, are gonna have flaws that grate on your nerves. Um, but likewise, you know your flaws will grate on their nerves too, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know I, I've heard in in seminary. Um, one of my friends said that the best thing about seminary is fraternity and the worst thing about seminary is fraternity. Um, and, and there's some truth to that. Uh, just because we're dealing with human beings, no matter how close of a friend you are, um, they're gonna, people are going to annoy you and you're going to annoy people. You have to understand that. Um, but there's no escape from relationships mm-hmm. and, and relationality. Like that's at the core of who we are. Um, as persons, you know, we, we are a relational beings. Um, and so that's uh, something that you're going to have to live with and learn how to adapt. There's no escape. You know, I, I don't think it's right to say, well, because I'm so judgmental, I just need to escape the world, right? Or, or like um, have less friends <laughs> and you won't be judgmental. Yeah. I remember that was kind of a cliche um, image of a hermit is someone who has just escaped the world because like they don't want to deal with human beings and they just want to mm-hmm. focus on a relationship with God. But that's really the a wrong understanding of what a hermit is. A hermit doesn't escape the world because he dislikes it, but because he loves it so much, right? That he's actually um, it, it's for the world, it's for the community. Like uh, you know, hermits are part of the community in their own way, right? And, and so, uh, yeah, you you can't re- escape that dilemma of relationality. So. Mm. Uh, to your point, Lee, earlier you were saying like we always have to make value judgments. I wanted to unpack a little bit of um, the great Thomas Sowell's uh, thoughts on such things. Um, He has a book called Discrimination and Disparities, uh, where he kind of just goes through some of the different ways in which we discriminate, good or bad. And I feel like this really kind of clarifies, it sets up the frame 
for the right way to think about these particular instances of like father, you know, employee, employer, um, like whatever, like just like it sets up the frame for the, the hierarchy to fill itself where it needs to go. Um, this is from, this is um, like, I guess, summarized in a book review. I'm taking this off of uh, someone's book review here, but he says, soul opens by defining discrimination. This is in chapter two. Um, I, I don't remember when I read this. It must have been 2020. I read that and his, um, what is that big book that he has? Basic Economics. Yeah. It's like a Bible. Um, he calls type one discrimination a desirable trait as he defines it as having an ability to discern slash discriminate based on valid criteria, right? So type one discrimination is like you actually have the information and you can, you can discriminate, um, Soul's type two discrimination is what we generally mean when we discuss discrimination is an irrational dislike of an entire group of people, right? So type two discrimination is that bad stuff. You just like categorize people and be like, these people do that. And so you have no valid information mm. other than your assumptions, which are irrational. However, even with type one discrimination, there are two types of ways to judge people. He divides type one discrimination into two more types, one A and one B. 1A is the best way to make discerning judgments. You judge each case on individual in individual merits. The problem is that type 1A has very high information costs, right? So it costs a lot to discern whether this particular individual is good or bad, right? So he he gives he gives an example of like you're walking down the street and you see what may look like a homeless guy uh, with a hoodie on and he's walking towards you. Now, do you walk on the other side of the road or do you stay on your side of the road? Um, and he's saying like the information cost that it would cost you to determine whether this guy is a good person or not is too high where you're going to make, you're going to just make a value judgment being like, he may mug me and you run off the side of the road. That's not, that's not a bad thing. That's a that's something that you're not willing to like spend that cost of your life mm -hmm. to find out whether that guy's a decent person. Um, okay. Yeah. That's type one. Type one is that you're Subsection actually going. A. You're, <laughs> correct. No, yeah. One, one A, a is yeah. that you're actually going up to the person and be like, hey, are you going to mug me? Right. And right. that's a high cost. Okay. Um, he's talking about this in an economic term, but it kind of relates because it's it's like the cost of your life, the cost of discernment, things like that. So th there's a there's a. Cost of your friendship Correct. with somebody. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so type 1B is where high information costs cause you to judge an individual by the valid characteristics of the group, right? So they're, they're not irrational. They're valid, but they're, uh, they're general. So he gives this example, which I think is a perfect example. Type 1B discrimination, Soul asks the reader to consider someone making a hiring decision. The person can hire from someone from group A, which has 2% of the members that are alcoholics, or someone from group B in which 30% of the members are alcoholics. Sowell says it's not hard to see that the person may choose to hire someone from group A, even though if he or she may have no particular animus towards individuals in group B. Mm. So it's like just based on what it would cost me to potentially make a mistake here in a hiring process, I'm going to pick A. Mm -hmm. That's not you like judging particular people, but you do have to, you know, hire yeah. somebody. Um, so the cost is too high. So the, the reason why I bring that up is because in judging particular people, it's it's interesting to think about what it would cost to make the right 
judgment, Mm -hmm. right? So if you see a group of people that you're not friends with, right? So you're just like looking at a, a, you know, whatever, um, a group of people, your instinct is to be like, I can judge their character because I don't know them. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to type to discriminate, um, versus type one, which would be to actually try to get to know them and, you know, discern or whatever. Something like a, a relationship with your spouse I think of this in the reverse where it's like you may have a role to correct your spouse, but and that costs something, right? Like it actually costs you to get to type one discrimination where it's like we're going to look into this and see what's going on and course correct. Um, but that's something you actually have to, you have to do. That's your responsibility to expend that cost. Um, so seeing it in almost like it's not like a pragmatic, but almost like using economic language to describe these value judgments i just it helped me frame um frame this a lot and you know particularly when 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 it comes down to something of like when you don't judge somebody right so let's say if you have a friend that you know that um he's struggling with something right Mm -hmm. um what would it cost for you to let go of that judgment Right. So it's like, actually, for me, because I know you as a friend and I know and I know that you're a child of God and and that I have my own flaws, I therefore am trying to practice type one a discrimination and saying that this is bigger than my judgment. Right. And so it's it actually is costing me my pride. It's costing me my time, my contemplation. So those are, those are all the things I have to actually expend in order to get to the point of like, well, I can't judge. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Just rambling here. No, 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 no. I think I think it makes sense. I never thought about it in 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 those terms. I, I mean, just think of like what 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 is it that you're holding on to or letting go um, in these value judgments. So essentially, is it is is so what you're trying to say is that see, tell me if I'm right here. Yeah. That in every judgment, you're uh, you have to give up something. Correct. Right. You have to. Yes. There's a cost to make that judgment. Yes. Yep. There's also a cost not to make a judgment. Correct. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. exactly. So like if if I say um, like if again, I'm just using the spousal relationship because it's it's one in which it's warranted to critique each other. Yeah. Um, let's say if there is a flaw in your spouse and you're like, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. It's probably fine. You're doing like a type one B discrimination mm-hmm. where you're like. I don't want to expend the cost of the conflict. Yeah. And so I'm just going to glaze over this and say, I, I'm going to make this judgment based on like, well, people like that are generally okay. Like that's actually a neglect of your responsibility. Yeah. And so you actually have a responsibility to expend that cost to look further into the individuals. Like you actually, in this instance, are wrong here. Yeah. Well, what's, and what's, what, what that's doing is that you, it's, it's mischaracterizing or it's not um, making proper distinctions within being judgmental, right? Like you know, as we said before, um, it, it it's proper to criticize if it's um, constructive. Um, you know, it, it's okay to point out people's flaws as long as you know X, Y, and Z, as we all said before. Mm-hmm. But I think if you are saying, "Well, I'm not even going to face that because." It's going to expend too much yeah, energy right. or X, or X mm-hmm. Y, or Z, whatever it might be. There also is an underlying issue that I think that 
you're just considering all judgment to be just negative, right? right? It's, a, right. it's not even worth it. Right. And is, you're not making those proper mm-hmm. distinctions. Right. Because um, you could also do the reverse too, where a spouse may have a flaw that you are thinking about critiquing and you say, I don't want to expend the energy, therefore it's all bad. You know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. all, it's not, an, it could not just be an avoidant thing. It could also just be that you're, you're painting too broadly with a brush and being like, I don't want to expend the yeah. energy of what it would take to get to one A discrimination and saying, well, all people are like this. Men are just like but this. But the or problem is, isn't, wouldn't the, and you guys would know more of psychology background and being married and you're married and I'm not something. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but wouldn't like sweeping things under the rug, wouldn't that actually just come, not only would it come yes. back to bite you, um, even bigger and badder than mm-hmm. before but also if you let it brew in your mind then you start to identify that person with that flaw because you keep seeing it yes right? right and so you expend more energy anyway it almost seems yeah. like it's like a, a no-brainer to you know, like just spend energy yeah. and time for sure facing it like there's no you know besides the besides the the, the one negative that it might be a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. like what what are the positive is there to the to positive would be like the, the problem of the marshmallow test? <laughs> you know, it's like, do you want to? Yeah, right now. It's yeah, do you want to feel good now and sweep it on the rug, or do you want to put ten it minutes later now? when it comes back up? Yeah, or ten the, years later. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, ten years later. Um, yeah, I, I well, when you don't make a judgment, you've you know, it's a classic example. I don't, you know, I don't judge. It's like, well, that that is a judgment. You know, you, mm. you like it's again, it's inescapable. You're judging judgment. <laughs> you know, it's like you're you're judging yeah. that it's okay not to judge. You know, or mm. that I don't judge or. Uh, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to worry about this. Like you mm-hmm. said, I'm just going to lump it all in there. But the sacrifice is, you're right, or you guys were hitting on it, is that um, you will pay for the lack of information that you're not getting mm-hmm. by by choosing to to maybe face it head on. You might gather more information to make a better judgment. Instead, uh, you might end up falling to uh, a pit, you know, uh, yeah. metaphorical pit. Yeah. Um, for for your lack of of investigation and your lack of willingness to to judge this this yeah. circumstance, I right. the thing is like I brought this up to mom too, and like her way of kind of walking through this is just so simple, <laughs> if in a good way. Whereas like I feel like I'm overcomplicating this as to just be like respond to your roles, and know that you know you have roles with other people. Like just like know the roles. Yeah, I just feel like that's it. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, like, there you go. A thirty-second podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just it just it's been something I've been um, observing in my uh, in my past life. Um, maybe not so something I struggle so much right now, but as I came of age and started to take on role as parent and husband and such, I started, like you said, almost kind of getting drunk on the power, being like, oh, I can like critique and I should critique and, and then starting- For the good. <laughs> yeah, and then that starts to bleed over into like other people where I should not be doing that. Mm-hmm. But then having to pull back and be like, okay, well, that's too harsh. Should I judge anybody? And then maybe oscillating to the other side and be like, I don't like, I don't say anything mm-hmm. to anybody. And then letting your kids run amok. So then like trying to find that balance. It's like, it's the right relationship with the right people at the right yeah. time. And Yeah, that's um, what part of the- the requirements for fraternal charity, mm. you know, um, I think Thomas has three of them, and one of them is proximity. Like there is yeah. that word fraternal, suggesting right. that you have a friendship with them. So you're right. You you maybe don't let your children run amok because you actually have a relationship with them. You know them, but a stranger's is that's a little 
a little bit diff, a little bit more um, tricky. Yeah. Um, well, depending upon how stranger they are, because yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. complete stranger, you yeah. should probably just let that one go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the uh, when, when it, it, I think it actually gets a little bit more tricky the closer the person is to you. Uh, right. Then, because you can let uh, maybe a, a second cousin go, like, eh, <laughs> like you know, like I don't yeah, really, right. you know, like not I don't worth really, my time. I don't really <laughs> talk to them much. Yeah. I don't really know them that much, or you know, they're yeah. I'm not their spouse. I'm mm-hmm. not their brother, but. Your spouse and your children—that's uh, or very close friends. Then I, I think that's actually the hardest sometimes to have a, to fraternally right. correct. Right. Right. Um, yeah, because yeah. charity. Right. It's easier to just to cat like as soon as you hit the category of what is our relationship, like oh it's distant, I'm good. Yeah. But once it's close, then it's like oh and th- now there's discernment. Yeah. I will say I, don't, I hope I'm not being too vulnerable here, but I think oh. the hardest people not to judge are the people who judge. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, no, because I was just thinking, like, you know, if you have this, um, if you have this prerequisite that, you know, we're all on the same path, we're all stumbling along the way. Um, I have flaws, you have flaws, but then to see somebody with flaws that doesn't recognize that, mm-hmm. and then having to deal with that because, like, they like, they're just blind to, blind to their own condition. Then it's like, like, can't you see? Like, you're trying to get them to see something. Right. you see that they can't um th- but it's, it's almost yeah it's just that's where it can i i don't know i find that like very tempting to define a person as as their flaw in that sense when like they're yeah, constantly yeah. critical they don't see themselves mm-hmm. you know as right. they really are and it's like bro right. i'm much <laughs> bro. well and i mean okay i think i'm in good company here because i think um <laughs> we all do that right we all yeah right don't you struggle with that no um no but like you know christ had the least patience for those who were judgmental technically yeah, yeah. you know he would um eat and drink with um yeah. you know prostitutes and text, like watch the text collectors. yeah yeah so um anyway that was just thrown out there yeah no that's <laughs> good. There. who knows you no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what kind of people disturb you? Um, yeah, I think the other thing too is that uh, when you have to make value judgments before you enter into like a spousal relationship, like a discerning whether or not you're going to marry somebody, mm. that also gets really tricky because it's like, yeah. do you want to do the long, do you want to do the legwork now of making those value judgments about the particular person before you get into this relationship? Um, and that, you know, again, like that, the high information cost of doing that is like time, emotional, you know, instability potentially, like if you break up or whatever, it's like, you have to, that's just something that's also really hard to do because you're entering, you're like discerning whether or not you should bring them closer into your life. And so you almost have to make a value judgment at, and of their future self of like, will this be somebody that will be able to course correct. I, you know, it's, it's just that again, when I think about it in reverse, it's so complicated. Yeah. But then when I did it myself, it, it was more intuitive. Well, here's a question too. If we shouldn't define people as the sum of their flaws, could we, def- can we define them as the sum of uh, their positives? Well, right. And I don't, I'm not necessarily sure that's true. And I don't think that's good. Yeah, yeah necessarily. Right. Mm-hmm. Because then you can be blind to their flaws. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, they do this, this, and this, but... You know, he brings me flowers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a know. drug addict, but right. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's that causes a lot. That's there's a lot of discernment that has to go into that. Yeah. Um, 
and a, a sense of detachment from someone that you love, which is very difficult. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like know. I feel like trying to explain that to somebody who's like in that process is almost like not helpful. Um, and it's mm. like the 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 years lived prior is kind of what gets you to a place where you can discern from your disposition as to what things you value. You're not going to tell somebody who like doesn't know what they think about meth <laughs> that you shouldn't date somebody that's doing meth. You know what I'm mm. saying? It's like, well, if you haven't discerned that for yourself and you and you don't have this perspective, you can't top down and be like, "Hey, like just make sure you consider these things." Like that that's years. That's like yeah, a whole life. Right, right. There's some something in the foundation that needs to be Yeah. Awoken. And obviously it gets more complicated when it's more nuanced other than like meth, but <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking of uh time, information, and wisdom. Mm. And I think of wisdom as usually the a- a- accumulation of or like the gathering up of a lot of lived life and the information you've gained from that. Now mm. of course, uh I think in order to grow in wisdom, you have to have a, a reflective attitude um or disposition to reflect on what what has happened to you and how how you've learned um and i think that's often why sometimes people who are are older are great mentors is because they have all this they can make quick they always can make these quick judgments um and they can be spot on a lot of times and it's just because i have lived a very long life and this is what i've seen when like this information's gathered up um this is usually what happens um now that's not always true, or it's mm-hmm. not like you know that allows them to then just like judge yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. everything and anything. Yeah. But it's just typically it seems like uh, with with wisdom, um, it is time and information, mm-hmm. and it, yep. and then like that maybe that's the equation. I don't know. What, yeah. what do you think yeah. about that? No, yeah. Um, uh, well, it, with with age comes wisdom, but also it's the two ways I've always learned um, how a person grows in wisdom is. Um, time, so age, but also suffering. <laughs> yeah, uh, suffering is a it, it kind of um expedites um expedites your yeah. um journey towards wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that that is true. That um the more that you experience and the more that you are able to reflect on that experience, um you're gaining like another perspective on life. Really, ultimately, I think we've said this before that wisdom is really um how the part integrates into the whole. And to be able right. to see that whole, like it's almost like as wide of a perspective as possible, um, and that's why we say, you know, um, God is wisdom because He has that big perspective. Mm-hmm. But for us, yeah, time and information—that that sounds right. That's, that's a good way to put it. Now, time and information doesn't necessarily grant you a blank check, like you said. To just be yeah, like, right. Well, since I'm 86, everybody's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, kind of. <laughs> that's what Joe Biden did. <laughs> But like yeah, but that's really wisdom. But like there it, is it that really is that wisdom. It is that wisdom. But there is that um, that cliche image of an old man saying everyone's dumb yeah. for a reason. I think that there is yeah, yeah. like, you know, as, as you spend your life and you experience different things, and then you kind of, you know, if you're not careful, you you grow um, uh, kind grumpy. of despondent and, and yeah, yes. and grumpy and and you're just looking at the younger generations like these youth, yep. you know. Yep. Um, it's a funny image, but at the same time, like they understand what life is, and right. But like the thing is, like those, like that older man is never going to t- 
teach kids by just saying like you don't understand mm-hmm. you don't understand life just like as you were saying like you yeah. know you can't get a person that's in a relationship to like discern mm-hmm. like that you know pros and cons um just by telling them right um yeah i think that's essentially what i'm trying to get at because there is a, an experience that people but, have to go through mm-hmm. right and i'm i'm starting to feel like you know to anybody way older than me i'm i'm going to sound stupid but like i feel like i'm getting to that point of years in like the time in and now like younger generations i'm seeing a like two younger generations in me starting to come up and starting to feel that old grumpiness so i was like wow i could see the hint in a distant way of like being a grumpy man that's starting to just like judge everything mm-hmm. so again it's like how do you not become the grumpy man if if time and age are inevitable you know what i'm saying like time and information you're just like even if you just sit there you're going to go through time and information is going to come by well, you. The thing is like, so um, like that does, that's my point is that that doesn't equal wisdom. No, you know I'm saying right. like it, it's, it's something like your understanding and digestibility of those things into what you're saying. The broader context is what wisdom is. You get mm-hmm. those two things and what you do with them determines whether or not you're going to be grumpy or joyful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I think I'm just scared. <laughs> No, the thing is, like, the grumpy old man uh, is only grumpy because he doesn't, like, it's it's very easy to judge a group of people, right? Like, that blanket statement. I guess that would be the type two um, discrimination. Um, But when you talk to people, you, you begin to see that they're more than just your blanket that you threw over them <laughs> yeah, as a yeah. group. Yeah, yeah, right? sure. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the, let the grumpy old man talk to one of the kids and, and see, you know, <laughs> have some hope in the world. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, that might be too much of a value cost. <laughs> yeah, right. Just die in peace. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe part of it's also not uh, not becoming too rigid in what you know already. <laughs> You know, like, like I have accumulated right. all this information um, over these years, and this is kind of the only information that there is. Right. That, that perhaps um, a willingness to continue to grow in in the in um, understanding and uh, and in information correct where it ne- where maybe it needs to be corrected. Um, but I think once you start uh, kind of fossilizing mm-hmm. <laughs> into this is the way, like this is the one way this is the the one path then uh i think then you might start getting into a little bit grumpiness yeah yeah definitely and i think the mo- the most thing that you can learn the best thing that you can learn in um having experiences is that there's so much more to learn right uh you know that socrates is all i know is that i know nothing um, yeah. and so yeah as you, as you begin to um uh, go down a certain path it's like wow there's so many other paths that i could take and you know even this one thing that i thought i knew about i'm learning about then how much more don't i know and that's where wisdom really starts to set in so. if i might speak symbolically for a moment please the, mm. so the opposite uh the virtue is wisdom but the vice is foolishness that's okay. the, the opposite mm, yep. of wisdom um but archetypally what from the fool um, comes the hermit and the wise man. Mm. Mm. That they're, they're the flip side of, of the, the wise man is the fool and then vice versa. Yeah. So I don't know if it's perhaps 
the balancing act uh, because, uh, again, symbolically, the young are, are the fools and the old are, are, are the wise. If there's a certain balancing act of, act of like that youthful spirit to, in a sense, always remain the fool. Right. And that you're willing to be a little bit more daring. You're willing to, to listen. You're willing to, to grow continually, even though you are now perhaps the wise man. Right. Um, but you're still willing to have that fool side to you. Yeah the, yeah, the fool yeah, would essentially understand that there's like more to learn, essentially, and so if right, he's, he's like radical openness. Right, it's like if, I don't understand anything. Right, so I'm just, yeah, you know. right. Even though if you might, like you're saying, with time and information, start to gather a good bit amount of the way the world works, like God is infinite. Like if that's your your first disposition of that, like. I don't know everything because yeah. somebody else does. As soon as you start to turn that in on itself and be like, I know enough, then it's like, now yeah, you're grumpy. Yeah, that's yeah. perhaps it. I know enough. It's it's not even necessarily I know everything. Yeah, It's right. just I know enough. Yeah, right? that's, the, that's the most dangerous thing someone can say. But there is also this image of the wise man looking, appearing like a fool. Yes. Um, and so I'm thinking of uh, like Obi-Wan Kenobi in, uh, in A New Hope, you mm-hmm. know, who... Um, uh, Uncle Owen is just like, oh, that that crazy old wizard, you know. He first comes out and he's like yelling yeah, at yeah. the Tuscan Raiders, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's that's an archetypal image of how to the world. This is this is the Gospels now, to the or uh, the the New Testament to the world. Um, in the eyes of the world, the wise seems foolish, right? Um, but I do think that that's because. True wisdom allows you to see beyond the, the material, right? And so your your cares are beyond the material, and so you're not going to be concerned about like you know how ironed are my you know cuff cuffs are on mm-hmm. my fancy shirt or whatever, uh, you know to the world, the wise man will appear like he, he doesn't even care for himself, but of course he doesn't because he's thinking about bigger things, right? There's there's um, right. wisdom requires kind of that that appearance of not caring <laughs> almost that openness like you were saying that, that, yeah, yeah that openness just like I, I need to learn as much as i can um, yeah i think cleanliness is a virtue <laughs> but yeah, yeah no i know i know i was, I was kind of using if you shave um, you're probably not wise streams yeah. i know yeah as no, someone definitely. has a high disgust factor yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> um i know what you're saying though yeah i hope i hope i hope people know <laughs> that's good you know every now and then you know seminary is such a odd experience because you have guys who are not know, shaven <laughs> that's not where I was going okay. uh, um, well you have guys who are maybe like 18, 19 like at, at least in the early 20s mm-hmm. and then sometimes you'll like I was in seminary with a guy he was the oldest man ordained in the United States really? he wow. was 68 oh wow whoa really? Um, at least past 65 I mean, maybe he was 65. So like, then he gets ordained, and three years later, he's, like, retired? Yeah, yeah. And wow. <laughs> I mean, basically, I don't <laughs> wow. know. I, yeah, I've, I've been meaning to check up and see if see what he's, what he's doing, because this was, <laughs> you know, a number of years ago. Um, <clears throat> wow. But, um, you know, the, the, the younger guys were, were always, you know, very much into Thomas, into, you know, Thomas Aquinas, the scholasticism, the philosophy. Mm-hmm. And that was good. Like, they had that youthful spirit of, like, I want to find all the answers. And then there was older guys there that were like, I just, I just want to be ordained. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to go for my master's, no interest in further studies. I just want to get ordained and say mass and, like, serve God. And I think it's this, 
this uh, contentness you were talking about. Like they weren't concerned about well, do you wear a tabby? Do you wear you know? Do you wear the cassock mm-hmm. or right, right. you know like I, you know what, what what does Thomas say about this? It was just I'm here for this purpose. Yeah, and I'm not interested in kind of getting bogged down here. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I think there's a good balance of both. You should be interested in theology and philosophy yeah. Yeah. as well as serving God. But you're right; they they didn't they didn't kind of obsess about these small details. It was more kind of a, a grander vision that to be a priest or to you know, even be Catholic is much more than what does Thomas say yeah. right, about X. Yeah, yeah. no, exactly. <laughs> Ultimately, like you're entering into a relationship with. Um, love itself and, and mystery as, as romantic as that sounds mm-hmm. um like what does it mean to actually like become a priest um you know that your soul is configured to christ uh like there's mystery and meaning there beyond comprehension that no summa theologica is gonna explain <laughs> you know yeah. um right. so yeah yeah i think in the same in the same light as it relates to what we're talking about um understanding that mystery of each individual person and their relationship to God, your relationship to God and such is like, you're, you're kind of in, you're like in awe and you're struck with wonder at the mystery of people and God and life and humanity. That's where your disposition should come from and like never turning in and just being like, I know what I'm talking about. So therefore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the, the, the fool has his head in the clouds, Mm. you know, like, looking up, not paying attention to where he's going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pearson has a really nice picture of that on the uh, on his, I think it's the first chapter of his new book. Yeah, that's right. Um, your sister, you know, did a picture for that, actually. Try yeah. to, try yeah. Us, yeah. 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 Right. It was yeah. a very nice picture, but yeah. it's... Peterson said no. <laughs> <laughs> he missed out. Um, but it, it, it is that. It's, it's uh, your your head is almost someplace else. You're, you're thinking... Um, you know, in the clouds, and and that can make you seem aloof, um, but it should be tempered by because if it, that's all you are, then yep. you, you are the fool, and you're mm. gonna not pay attention to where you're going. You're gonna fall into a pit. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you contemper it with the the wise man kind of uh, motif, then it's actually the best of both worlds. You're willing to have your head in the clouds, but also pay attention to where you're going. Right. And t- so, um, again, being open, but also. Uh, kind of down to earth. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's both. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, again, like just to like make this more complicated, if you're observing somebody who is acting foolishly like that, how do you make the observation whether or not they're wise or just a fool? You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. Like, well, that's the 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 dividing line of um, uh, like again, we've talked about this before, but the prophet and the fool. You know, it's right. like at what point are you speaking about things that are co- going to come or mm-hmm. things that we. Uh, we haven't pierced the veil yet, mm-hmm. but they have. Mm-hmm. Or are you just rambling on the side <laughs> right. of the street? Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Right. That's. that's Pay attention. Tough. Yeah, that's. Just listen. That's probably good advice. Yeah. Because even the pre- person that's just rambling, um, don't be so dismissive of the, you know, the person who rambles. Uh, like, if you actually get to know them, talk to them. Um, yeah, maybe they're absolutely nuts <laughs> um but i i do think that like you're 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 paying attention to people um prophet or fool um that's what a wise person does is he pays right. attention you know, he's not right. going to be dismissive and like these people you know you don't pay attention to only patient pay attention to these people mm-hmm. um you know e- even christ when he's talking about the pharisees you know he says um you know do as they say right 
not as he doesn't say like don't listen to them at all. Um, so even just paying attention to everybody, um, right. then you, you then you can begin to discern like okay, what's the wise path here? So that's good stuff. I'm gonna have to like re-listen to this <laughs> when I forget all the things. <laughs> yeah, let's jump into the bonus. Um, I uh, I saw. Beauty and the Beast with my kids. They were watching it, and I was like, you know, in the kitchen walking by, and they're like, huh? huh? And I eventually <laughs> like sat down and watched the rest of it. There's a couple of things in there I wanted to bring up, but I'll bring it up in the bonus um, symbolism and such. Um, if you guys want to hear that conversation, you can go to basicallyrelated.com uh, for our weekly bonus episodes. We'll see you next week. <laughs>